Good morning. Hope you guys are safe and well. We got an exciting week uh, on both properties I'm working on, and then I'm going to quail for the auto week. Uh, hopefully, some of you guys will be there, and I'll run into you. Um, we'll give a few more seconds for you guys to hop on, and we'll start this week's session. Good morning, Amin. Uh, today's a special day. Amin and I are going to close on our first building in Wisconsin. Uh, it's been a tricky one, but exciting one. So uh, Amin's been uh, hitting the pavement. Good job, Amin. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to have Logan read the questions this week because I'm extremely busy and uh, he's faster at reading than me. So, <laughs> well, uh, Logan, you want to wait a few more minutes? before they join or you wanna start? Yeah, we'll wait a couple more minutes. Yeah. Um, good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Good morning, Amin. Good morning, Gregory. Good morning, Russell. Good morning, Arby. Where do you see all these people? I only see four on my bar. <laughs> I've got insider <laughs> access. You got a VIP access. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good morning, Nicola. Good morning, good morning, everyone. All right, we'll go ahead and start us off as uh, more people hop in here. So the first question is from Wajtech. Mm -hmm. um, he said, when looking to add value to small retail properties by changing the tenants, is it still possible to add value with local tenants that pay higher rents or do you need to retenant with national tenants? Well, you're always gonna get the biggest bang for your buck if you have a national or regional credit tenant. Uh, by that, I mean a well-known brand. Um, it doesn't have to be the entire property. But let's say you have a small strep center of eight units. Um, and if you have two national credit tenants that occupy 30% of it, you'll, uh, you'll get a much bigger resale value. By that, I mean, you'll be able to sell at a lower cap rate. Um, a lot of buyers, investors love, you know, brands that have good credit and good business uh, concept and they're successful. So they, look at that as a lower risk investment property and they'll go ahead and pay more for it. Um, that's, that's the experience I've had. And so I would try to uh, bring at least 30 to 30, 40% of your property with credit tenants. All right. Uh, good morning, Bailey. Good morning, Magnus. Hemi, good to see you here. He means new member with us. Uh, Savak and Kurpo is hitting the double header today. Um, so our second question is from Rodin. Mm -hmm. He said, what are your thoughts on buying a property in a great area that has great historical appreciation and Airbnb it to increase cash flow? Uh, I get that a lot. That and senior living, assisted living, those type of property operations are more of a business. Uh, it's great for cash flow if uh, you're willing to put in the time because it is, unless you hire a third party company to do the check-in and check-outs, it's kind of like a hotel, right? And cleaning, um, it's great as long as you're aware, just because you're making more cash flow doesn't mean the property is worth more. When you go to sell it, the appraiser is gonna look at the comps that are being sold just like an ordinary home. So uh, that's it. I mean, I don't have any other input. I know several people that are making, they were doing great before COVID, uh, having multiple homes and doing Airbnb and killing it, making a lot of money. So it is great as a business. Awesome. Next question is from Robin. Um, he said, have you ever needed one property to sell quickly in order to purchase another property? 
because the second property is a good deal that you don't want to lose. And if so, how did you handle the situation? All the time. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing that now. Um, I'm selling my Arizona property to buy uh, this property for $22 million. Um, and happens often. Um, I would say 50% of the time, if that's often. And how do I handle it? Well, I'll make sure I select a buyer that has a very short fuse on due diligence and they're willing to go hard after due diligence period, which is exactly what I did with my Arizona property. Um, and then I do a 1031 exchange. Uh, now, if it's on the market and I haven't had any bites, then uh, at that point, obviously I can do the 1031 exchange. You can do reverse 1031 exchange, it's a bit costly, but you could close on your property that you're acquiring, which is your up leg, and then sell your down leg later. It's called reverse 1031. All right, and I see uh, Bailey and Ayati drop some questions in the comments. Guys, if you have questions, go ahead, drop them in the comments, and we'll get to those after we get through the questions that we've already received. Mm -hmm. um, so our next one is from Alexander. Uh, he said, I'm looking for commercial spaces next to hospitals in Orange County, LA, and other areas for potential medical office flips. Any tips on what to look for on LoopNet as a starting point? Uh, and then he gave mm. an example, radius to hospital, parking space ratio, et cetera. Well, you hit it right on the nail, um, radius and parking. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, medical uh, uh, tenant will require a lot more parking than regular general office, admin office. So the properties within a mile, one mile radius uh, that are, you know, typically office building with a higher parking ratio is what you want, what you want to look for. And um, it's going to be tough because you're going to have to just uh, do a lot of, uh, you know, work looking and uh, scraping listings and clicking on it and going to the parking ratio and just uh, manually uh, audit each one to see if it's a fit. But it w I would say a mile radius, you could even stretch it to two mile radius and parking, you want to at least have six to one. And some cities require five to one, but six to one to be safe. All right, so our next question is from Hemi. He said, I just joined uh, this program less than two weeks ago, and my goal is to acquire my first commercial property in the next six months. Can you suggest a sequence of activities for me to pursue to achieve that goal, mm. starting with watching your video lectures? Oh, uh, well, I don't know where to start. Well, if you're looking as a full-time investor for life, definitely get licensed. That's the first thing you should do, get licensed. Uh, you can go to Allied School. It's an online school and for a few hundred bucks, get licensed and then hang your license with a local real estate firm. Uh, that's what I would, that's what I would start, you know, power up, get educated. Second, I don't know what your finances look like. Uh, how much money do you have to put down for, to pull a commercial property down by yourself? You're probably going to need anywhere from 200 to 250 grand is my guess. Uh, again, depends in which demographic area. If you're in California, you're going to need a lot more. If you're in Phoenix, Mesa, um, Tempe, Arizona, uh, you could probably uh, get by buying a small commercial property with that much money. Second, get qualified. How much can you leverage? If you do have that down payment, you got to be able to qualify for a loan. And now commercial properties, property has to qualify, but the lender does look at your credit report, your income, 
And if you have no income and you're going to be a burden on the property's cash flow, you're not going to get qualified. So there is a lot they look at, but those would be my main ones. Um, you know, to to get started, it's gonna it's not going to be a quick. Uh, you know, six months, you're going to learn everything in real estate. It's taken me 30 years, but you're going to have a pretty good idea what to do in six months if you're capable to, uh, you know, pull, you know, buy the property. And those are, that's where I would start, you know, yeah, meet with a mortgage broker and see what you qualify for. All right. If it helps at all, he said, I have the finance and I am in Houston. Ah, well, those are two thumbs up. And I think uh, getting licensed and start building your network with local brokers in Houston and uh, communicate exactly what you're looking for. If you're looking for value add to flip and, you know, just build equity, uh, then you want to find very distressed value add opportunistic deals and have them go out and hunt. On top of that, you keep hunting too on Crixie, LoopNet, CoStar, uh just got to put a lot of time in you know look at uh 200 properties to maybe one or two may be a fit so you gotta put in the work all right and then he followed up uh and asked should he get a residential realtor license um i don't think so unless you want to you know do multifamily or single family flips fourplexes i mean that's where i started that's the lower hanging fruit but you ask for commercial property you want to buy your commercial property in six months so uh, you got to decide which way you want to go. You're at the fork. All right. With that, we'll move on to the next question from Magnus. Um, so Magnus said, per your advice, I've started interviewing potential sales brokers to list my Glendale, Arizona office and have been pleasantly surprised to see the high suggested listing prices I'm getting for the property. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, if this property sells, I'll need to find a replacement property before the end of the year. If one to $3 million deals, uh, if one to three million dollar deals were, I guess, were still meaningfully accredited for you, mm -hmm. what MSA and property type do you think has the best prospects currently? I'm trying to find another value add office property in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, would you be looking to do to buy something different if you were a smaller investor like me? Well, first of all, congrats, Magnus. That's huge. Looks like you've successfully found a value add. You're adding value and you're going to exit with a great profit. Um, I would stick to that area. You know, I like Phoenix, Tempe, Mesa. Um, you, you know, that area is an area, it's a sweet spot where you can find a smaller deals. And there are a lot of old owners that are not milking the cow, so to speak, like the property you found. I would continue doing that in that sub markets and do obviously do a 1031 exchange. All right. Awesome. And then he asked another question. I'm starting to see well-located five plus unit multifamily buildings trading with vacant units in mm -hmm. downtown San Francisco at pro forma six plus caps. This is typically highly coveted property that has a traded mm -hmm. a fully occupied at three to four caps in the past. I know you're not a fan of multifamily, but at some point point won't the multifamily buildings in these semi vacated city centers become a contrarian play. And if so, what levels would you need to see to begin to get interested in multifamily property? Mm. Well, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, that sector is uh, obviously being becoming distressed because of uh, 
all the you know the hybrid system uh, you know workspace that the companies are putting into place uh, San Francisco real estate got hit very hard uh, I don't know how much of that is going to be permanent permanent but uh, depending on the price so for me if I were to look at a five unit in San Francisco residential uh, to get excited about it would have to be below replacement cost so if you can buy it for you know say 200 bucks a foot I'm all over it and if it's a six cap fantastic uh, but if it's uh, 600 or 700 bucks a foot and it costs 300 bucks to build it, well, then I, I would prefer to stick to commercial properties that I'm still being able to buy below replacement cost. So it's all a function of price per foot if it's a discount to replacement cost. Awesome. So our next question is from Mr. A.H. John. Uh, good to see you here asking some questions. And he actually just bought and sold a mobile home park for a hundred K profit as is nice. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, I would like to know the best way possible to flip it into another value add opportunity to minimize taxes on this money. Well, if you haven't closed on it, obviously, uh, you know, open a 1031, um, and do a 1031 exchange. That's the best way to transition into another property value add op uh, opportunity. Uh, but if you've closed on it, you're pretty much going to have a taxable gain. Uh, continue doing the same. I mean, I don't know which market you uh, had this transaction done, but look for either uh, you know mobile home parks, uh, RV parks, or an office building that's uh, being you know mismanaged, retail center that's being mismanaged that has higher vacancy than other uh, you know neighboring properties, and just be more aggressive than the previous owner. Uh, that's, you know, the 1031 exchange is one you want to plan before you exit out of your property. So it's very important. And you all want to be proactive lining up a replacement property as well. Because right now it's a, obviously, a, you know, seller's market on most asset classes except office. Uh, office is having a tough time. Uh, but any uh, income property, uh, industrial, a small retail centers, even a smaller office deals like the one I have in Arizona. Um, you know, some markets obviously are different than other markets, but Phoenix is hot. So they go pretty quick. So you want to be proactive, line up, look at two properties so you can kind of time your 1031 exchange because you only have 45 days from the time you close your first property to identify your next property. It's only 45 day window, very short. Awesome. And then yes, the second question, uh, not real estate related, but he said, do you have anyone in your network that, you know, made a full time living off of day trading? <laughs> I know the statistics, mm. but I've been studying it and in person and I'm beginning to find a love for it. would like to know if you personally seen people with success in this field. Man. Yeah. I've known many people in, you know, doing a day trading as a full time job. And uh, I don't know one that's still doing it. Um, at some point, they got burned, uh, 2000.com. They got burned, 2008. Uh, Lehman Brothers collapsed. They got burned. Uh, do it on the side. Even I do a little bit of day trading myself for fun. Uh, for me, it's entertaining. I do make money some years, and some years I lose. Uh, but if you don't have a complex strategy with option trading, uh, margin trading, 
yeah, you could make a living out of it, but obviously it's risky because if you have those black swan events where you get 30, 40% drop in a week, uh, you'll definitely get margined out um, unless, again, you have a system in place, multiple accounts where one may get margined, the other ones you don't margin out. There's a lot of different strategies, but I don't know anyone that's uh, have done it for more than 10 years consistently. Um, there are money managers doing it, but I'm talking about a private friend or a, a private party that's doing it for themselves. I don't know anyone. All right, next question is from Ali. Uh, he said, can you please give us some more detail on the history and your strategy on the tractor supply mm -hmm. property you're holding for cash flow? Yeah, that one has started out great. So it was occupied and anchored by a grocery store, Shop and Save, 45,000 feet. The building's 77,000 feet. So um, I would say 60% occupied, but grocery store. Uh, this operator had, I think, 10 or 11 locations. Great balance sheet. Uh, but then I had, uh, I think it's Giant Eagle, uh, opened across the street from my property and this tenant closed down this location at my property a year after I purchased it. So it was, uh, it became uh, distressed real quick. And uh, it was something I obviously had no knowledge of. Uh, but since then I've subdivided the 45,000 square feet former grocery store and I have a tractor supply for 25,000 feet and the other 20,000 feet I leased it out to uh, Peoples which is a public, uh, you know, uh, it's a retail uh, retailer for apparel and their public company. But if you look at their stock, I think it's trading for 50 cents or something. So uh, they filed bankruptcy. So I lost that tenant. Uh, in the 12 years I've owned it, I've gone through four or five big tenants. Uh, it's a small town. Um, that's why the density, it's a big requirement for me. And it was a lesson, you know, uh, expensive lesson learned not to buy in a small towns. This is Bucktail Village, actually Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, sorry. Waynesburg, Pennsylvania is a very small town and it's been difficult getting tenants. Right now I'm at 50% occupancy and I'm looking at repurposing most of that space into a smaller spaces. And that's where we are. I've still made quite a bit of money on my investment in the 12 years because the cash flow has been great. Awesome. And then his second question, he asked, what do you think about the San Diego commercial real estate market? Mm. I love San Diego. San Diego is hot, hot, hot. Again, uh, depends which part of San Diego, right? You want to be, you know, in the high density part of it. But I love San Diego. There is a, a younger demographic and a lot of people are going there pretty trendy downtown and it's uh it's got a you know a pretty good it's like a mini silicon valley to me so i love it if you can find one that you can repurpose or buy a discount i think you'll uh, do great as long as you got a plan for it all right and then follow-up question in general what criteria do you use to buy properties for long-term hold for cash flow purposes mm -hmm. uh, which markets occupancy percentage etc well, some of my main criteria, as you guys have uh, watched my videos or in the curriculum uh, library, you know, price per foot is a big one. You know, I want to still always be below replacement cost. Um, it has to have, be a value add, even if for cash flow. I want to have 
a property I can add value. And you know, great location, density, absolutely. Um, like the property in Pennsylvania, I would never buy that today uh, if it was on the market. But 12 years ago, I didn't have the knowledge, so I bought it. Uh, still made money doing it, but uh, and lastly, you, you know, you want to have a uh, at least an eight percent cap uh, because you're buying it for cash flow long term. You want to add value, but you want to be able to get double digit cash on cash return. So some of the main those are some of the main ones you talked about market. Um, again, I like Texas, Arizona, California. Those are my top three. Um, I've been buying for past fifteen years, and I'm still buying it's I've done well and then why change it awesome and then last question from Ali could you elaborate what you mean by base rent expense that you wrote an answer to Harash mm -hmm. uh, question a few days ago and how is it calculated the question was about billing expenses to tenants in a modified gross lease in office buildings yeah so base year expenses it refers to a specific year you sign a tenant uh, you know, they execute the lease. Let's just say I just signed the lease with a tenant yesterday. So they would have a base year of 2021. Now, when I close out the year and I end up being at, let's say a million dollars for my operating expenses for the building, that becomes their base year. What, what that means that tenants for 2022 following year, tenants responsible to pay their pro rata share of operating expenses anything over a million bucks. So if it's a million one and the tenant occupies 10%, that would be 100,000 times 10%, they'll owe me 10 grand. And that's what it means base here. So it's mod it's uh, very common with modified gross uh, leases on office buildings. And retail obviously is triple net, um, you know, and sometimes gross, but modified gross uh, lease on an office building typically would come with the base year expenses. All right, so now we're going to hop over into the comments. And our first Yay. question is from Bailey. He said, Manny, where do you get your data on the market cap rate that properties trade at? I'm mm -hmm. just getting started looking at two to four units. Where would you look? Oh, uh, go on LoopNet. Uh, you can see what's the ask. And just look at the average asking uh, cap rates. Two to four units are very much, much easier to uh, pull comps on. And LoopNet does have quite a bit of multifamily property activity. So I will start there. Uh, if not, find out who's active in your local uh, market as a, a real estate broker that does multifamily. If you can't find that, go to Marcus Melichap. They're very heavy on multifamily and they're nationwide. I'm sure you can reach out to them and they can uh, give you uh, basically some input on your property, what they could sell it for at what cap rate. Awesome. Next question is from Ayadi. Um, he said, what's the process for getting a loan in the USA to buy properties from overseas? All depends. Um, if it's residential or commercial, uh, on a commercial property, if you have an LLC open, um, as far as I know, and your funds are here, um, there are bridge lenders that wouldn't, re wouldn't require income. Again, they, the property has to be a fit for that bridge lender and have ample enough income to cover the debt service. Uh, residential, that one's a much, much more difficult. Uh, that's backed by Fannie Freddie and government regulation is pretty tough on you know residency. 
So I would say talk to a loan broker because uh, that's I haven't done loans as a loan broker in 15 years or longer. All right. Um, and then we got George popped in. He said, Manny, you helped me so much. Uh, just made my first 100K check on this commercial property. You helped me on Awesome. Um, wants to return the favor. I'm down to help your students need help with residential real estate. If anything, just wanted to say thank you, big dog. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, it's uh, we, we love seeing your success, George. We'll uh, we'll reach out soon. And then Magnus also put in thanks to you, Manny, for everything that he's done and the success on this commercial building. Oh, you're welcome, guys. That's what I'm here. I love hearing this success stories, and it pumps me up. So, uh, and then Magnus did follow up with the multifamily question that we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier. He said replacement cost is absurd. It's literally thousand dollars per square foot with entitlements. Wow! And what what's the ask? I guess price per foot. I mean, if you are significantly below that, I would say go for it. Six cap multifamily in Bay Area, no brainer. If you're at you know fifty sixty percent of replacement cost. All right, and then another question from him. He said, Manny, when do you think will be recession? You've mentioned before for great opportunity mm -hmm. to buy commercial. Well, when they stop handing out these free money checks, <laughs> uh, my guess is 2023 uh, because they're continuing to print money. There is uh, every few months there is a new stimulus, uh, you know, plan they're passing through Congress. I think they're passing. They're trying to do 3.1 trillion right now, and I'm guessing they're going to continue to do that uh, throughout most of next year. But um, nobody has a crystal ball and no one's ever been in this situation. Uh, but since 2008, they've, they've been printing and buying bonds. And at some point, you know, things will tip over. I don't know when, but my guess is 2023. All right. Um, and then Savak just wanted to hop in and say, just started the program a couple of weeks ago. Just listening in for great tips and advice. I have questions for you soon. Uh, love having you here. Awesome. Yeah, glad to have you in. Um, next question from Nicola. He said, hi, Manny. Do you fly out to see your properties out of state or do you just have a property manager take care of it? Mm. Well, if it's a, depends. Um, the property uh, that I was buying, trying to buy, 3200 Central for 50 million, obviously I flew out, saw that. But if it's a very small property um, and my property manager has toured it, and they send me all the information, property inspection, all that stuff, and I'm pretty comfortable with it. I don't typically fly out to look at it, but 90% of the time, yes, I do. All right, and then Mike, haven't seen you in a long time. It's good to see you. He said, what's your opinion on purchasing industrial warehouses and parking lots in Los Angeles and California over, over, over other asset classes? My friends like it because of the low price per square mm -hmm. foot purchase price. Yeah, I love industrial. Uh, if you can, again, find one that's value add. Most industrial buildings are 100% occupied or near uh, 100%. So there's really no upside unless there's a tenant in there for a, they have a one year left on the lease and they're paying half the market price. Well, that's a value add, right? You can reset that tenant uh, to market rent and pick up some value there. But other than that, um, just like storage, uh, public storage, uh, the industrial asset tends to be the most stabilized and I like more of a value add 
So I don't, you know, I haven't bought any industrial, but I like it if you can find one that you can add value. All right. And then Alexander said, what are general value add to convert from commercial office to medical office? Where are? Uh, what, what's what, I, I think it's what's the process to convert office to medical? Yeah. Well, the process is uh, going to the city being able to get certificate of occupancy for that specific tenant. And nine out of 10 times, if you're on their park, uh, they won't give you the certificate of occupancy. They want to approve it. So parking seems to be, you know, majority of your obstacle. Uh, and then you have your ADA, right? Uh, you know, your uh, uh, accessibility, because depending on the type of the medical tenant you're putting in there, you're going to have to have a you know, beef up your ADA access to the property. And sometimes that's extremely costly. So those are the two things, ADA and parking. All right. Um, Hemi asked, did you buy the Aston Martin Laguerre? No, I haven't even looked at it, <laughs> but I'll be seeing it at Quail. And then uh, Tushar asked, are driven workspaces currently open? Yes. Yeah, we're open upstairs. And uh, depending on when I get my new headquarters ready, I'm going to be moving driven workspace over there and it's going to be much, much bigger, much nicer. But yeah, we're open upstairs. If you need the office space, uh, come and see Ali. All right. And then Kurt Paul said, Hey Manny, what's the minimum parking requirement to get CO from city on average? Hey Paul. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to shoot for six to one. Some cities are more, uh, flexible. I've seen some cities do five per thousand but I will shoot for six per thousand to be safe. Perfect. And that should be it for the day. Yeah, this was great. Uh, thanks guys for hopping on the call. Hope you found it valuable. And I'm excited for a couple of you guys that are actively uh, looking for deals and close on some deals, but keep hunting. Uh, the market is great, uh, you know, for those smaller value adds, there's a lot of liquidity out there. So keep hunting and keep uh, asking me great questions and post your deals as you close them and share the success with the group. And uh, with that, be safe, be well. See you guys next week.